0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Unraveling Impulse. My name is Nisa, and this podcast is really just about my life. Um, I get on here and share things that I'm going through, how I'm navigating certain experiences, and yeah, it's very broad. I don't have a very specific aim. My main goal is to share, express, and be vulnerable um, in hopes that whoever might be listening feels that they are less alone. And it's a platform for me that allows me to build my confidence in speaking. Um, and I talk a little bit more about that in my first episode, so you can check that one out if you'd like. Um, Yeah, so today I want to talk about motherhood, I think. Um, I kind of have topics that I roll around in my head of what should I cover next, and motherhood has really just been knocking (laughs) at my door. It's, It's sort of just keeps coming up. And, um, I want to talk about maybe a little bit about my experiences being a mother, um, what that's been like. Now I'm sort of, um, moving into being a single mother. Um, and we'll see where that takes us. Um, yeah, it's, uh, been a good week for the most part, uh, pretty uneventful. I took my daughter, Naylin, to get her first vaccine shot. She's six, so they've just opened up um, the eligibility uh, for five to eleven-year-olds, and so we did that yesterday, and I was a bit nervous because she, as most kids do, hates (laughs) Uh, needles and shots, um, but she was so brave. Uh, no crying at all. Uh, it was really nice the way that um, the center that we went to set set it up so that um, there was just like images of like cartoon kid superheroes who were getting vaccinated. Um, and so it just kind of like gives kids that little boost of um, bravery and she also got to see other kids getting vaccinated, which I think helped her. So it was a good experience. Um, we've done our part. I feel good about that. Um, I don't want to get super political, although I don't really shy away from it, (laughs) but yeah, I feel good about, um, us doing our part in trying to manage this virus. It's exhausting. (laughs) Speaking of motherhood, motherhood and COVID-19, whew, it's, it's a lot. Um, so you're definitely not alone. (laughs) Um, but yeah, um, I guess I can start with my early days of motherhood. Like let's, I'll try to, I'll try to paint the picture. Um, so, yeah, Naylan is six now, um, when I had her, finally, she was, she was planned, um, I knew around that time that I felt ready, and so, there wasn't really a big struggle to get pregnant, I don't recall, um, it kind of happened fairly naturally, um, and so we were really blessed that way. Um, everything about, you know, getting pregnant and um, even up until delivery was went really smoothly. And I don't think that I really appreciated that until after I had nalen I didn't really appreciate it until after I really started reading more about other People, other individuals' experiences with pregnancy and the birth. Um, and, you know, I really look back and am very thankful that I really didn't have a hard time. Um, and so, yeah, like that's one thing that I reflect on now more often and really just have to give thanks for. Um, I didn't, (laughs) having said that, I was one of those women or people who didn't enjoy pregnancy. Um, I, (laughs) I had very severe nausea and vomiting in the first trimester. I lost weight Um, I couldn't keep anything down. Um, I just, I remember I was working at the time and I would just sit at my desk thinking about throwing up. Like, like it was just literally like, how can I keep whatever is in my system down today? Um, it was so hard. (laughs) Um, and my work suffered, Um, yeah, like it was just, I didn't, I really didn't enjoy it. Um, (laughs) if I'm being honest, uh, and I remember like at the time, um, you know, before I got pregnant, I had kind of started to like do a lot more working out and get into like, got into a pretty good routine with, um, exercise and things like that. And I would go to the gym and, um, I remember like this girl that I used to go to the gym with, um, not really friends, but acquaintances (laughs) when she found out that I was pregnant. She's like, Oh, are you going to come back to the gym? And I was just like, no. And she was like, who wouldn't want to work out when you're pregnant? I like, I would do that every, and it's just kind of like, girl, I'm literally like, (laughs) I'm literally barely existing here. Like I'm struggling to keep shit down. Um, so exercise is, so far down on my list right now but yeah like it's funny how the judgments um start literally right away and people's ideas of what you should or shouldn't be doing kind of just like it can be overwhelming um but anyways I will get more into that in a minute but yeah like I just I wasn't someone who particularly enjoyed being pregnant um I found it very difficult um like I said, the nausea and vomiting in that first trimester was really, it took me out, man. (laughs) And then it eased up in the second trimester, but I kind of, and I kind of had like a brief relief, like a brief moment where I felt pretty good. My energy levels kind of seemed to um, Mm -hmm. normalize uh, I was able to actually keep down prenatal vitamins. So there were like nutrients going into my body. Um, I was just kind of being, I was able to sort of eat normally again. So I remember like there was like maybe a two, three, a two month period where I felt pretty good. And then it's like you get into like your start moving into your third trimester and it's just like, a whole other host of weirdness starts to happen to your body. And I don't even remember half of it. The list is so long of the strange things that I experienced being pregnant. Like, I had no idea. And I think there is so much mystery (laughs) around being pregnant. Like, you really don't know the, what is it? I don't, you just don't know the extent of the experience until you've gone through it. Like women aren't, or people who have children, who birth children aren't out here talking about all the things, um, until you're going through it, you know what I mean? And then they're like, oh yeah, that happened to me. And it's like, I would, it would have been nice to know that beforehand, (laughs) like, you know, but I just, I remember like I got, um, carpal tunnels, like all this stuff I would never, carpal tunnel syndrome. Why? Where did that come from? Um, All kinds of weird things were just happening to my body. I just felt very uncomfortable. Um, I definitely by, towards the end of my pregnancy, I couldn't sleep. I mean, the, the usual things, like these things are more normal, like not being able to sleep and you just can't get comfortable i i remember um towards the end too like nayland was sitting on the lower part of my stomach like it i had to actually just always hold the bottom of my belly because it just felt so tight because she was just resting there um (laughs) and i have the stretch marks to (laughs) as like a reminder of that But yeah, she rested, she rested there and it was the most uncomfortable thing. But yeah, needless to say, um, I definitely wasn't the, 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 a person who, who loved, um, pregnancy. Uh, I did, I did not at all, um, to, if I'm being really honest, um, and, not to say I wouldn't have done it again, I suppose, if I, if I decided to go down that route, which I didn't, but it wouldn't have stopped me, but it definitely left a mark. <laughs> like, it really did. Um, and, um, I remember, like, some other friends who were pregnant were like, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit tired, but other than that, and I'm just like, really? I wish. I, I just... I just remember feeling all the things, um, all the strange things, but that was like the first part of it. Um, the birthing, my birthing situation was not bad at all, guys. Like for the first, considering it was my first pregnancy, I always heard stories about it being like the longest labor and you know, all these horror stories of how lengthy the labor can be, but my labor, I don't remember how many hours, but it really wasn't that bad. Um, like, I think I remember going into, um, labor at maybe, I think it started, like, during the day. I think I remember around, like, four or five starting to feel some, like, slight cramping, and then, like, by 8 p.m., I was, like, something ain't right here, and, um, you know, Nalen's dad at the time being, like, at telling him like I think I want I think something's happening here so we tried to time the contractions and they were still kind of sporadic but you know it being my first pregnancy um I would and me being a highly like anxious person I was like nah we're going to the hospital (laughs) so we went and I remember when we got there Um, like we went with the, the contractions still being kind of all over the place. Like typically you should wait until there's a rhythm to the contractions and they're like every whatever, five, 10 minutes or whatever it is. Um, but they, at that point were still a sprag, but I didn't care. (laughs) So we went to the hospital and I remember, um, the nurse being like, well, we might not admit you because your contractions aren't even, you know, consistent. And I was just like, no, you're not turning me back. Like I'm not going back home. Um, so they did admit me and yeah, um, I was in labor from, so let's say we got there at like 10 PM. Um, I delivered nay at like 9 AM. So all in all, it didn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, I did choose to get an epidural. Um, I don't regret it. Uh. <laughs> Um, sorry to natural birth moms, but that's, actually, no, I'm not sorry. Um, that was just my choice. I never thought twice about it, always knew that that's what I want, the route I wanted to take. Um, I have no regrets. I didn't have any, I know there's some women who get an epidural and complain of like getting some like back pain and stuff afterwards. I never had any of that. So I can't really speak to that, but yeah, I had a good experience with the epidural, um. And yeah, that was, that was it for me. And then Nay was born and, um, I, <laughs> I just remember like the first struggle, um, even aside from the lack of sleep, cause by, like when you first have the baby, you're still sort of on adrenaline from just the whole thing happened. Like to this day, I look at her and I'm still like, I can't believe I birthed you I don't know, I'm sure other moms feel this way, but like Nailin will be 20 years old and I will still look at her and think, I can't believe I gave birth to you. I can't believe I birthed a human being because it is just so, it's a wonder, you know, it's like one of the most wondrous things. (laughs) Like it's, it's a gross thing. It's a painful thing it's all of that, but it's also one of the most wondrous things. And, um, yeah, I still to this day can't believe that I did that, (laughs) that I birthed a human being. Um, but yeah, so you're sort of on adrenaline or at least I was when I first, uh, like after that, the birth, I I had her, um, where you're just like wanting to like look at the baby and like, you just don't, you can't, you almost don't want to take your eyes off of them. Like, you know how if you do have a hospital birth, which I did, um, they kind of take the baby so you can kind of get some rest and all that stuff. And um, I didn't get any rest. Like, I mostly just wanted to be with her and see her and stuff. And so I kind of had that thing going. But um, what was actually the most difficult in the first few weeks was breastfeeding. And um, that was the most emotionally draining experience of my life was breastfeeding. They make it look so easy um, <laughs> on TV or even when I see other, I had seen like when I look at other women who breastfeed, it's just like the, it, it's like, oh yeah, the baby just latches on and you know, it starts, no, no, <laughs> there is so much more to it. Um, it's like teaching the baby how to latch and uh, how to get the milk and all this, how to keep yourself producing milk. And it was a lot. Um, so I just remember that being a very, the breastfeeding component being the most emotionally taxing aspect of those first few weeks of motherhood for me. And, um, I eventually got a lactation consultant and she worked with me to, you know, practice like getting nailing to, to latch on properly because, uh, my nipples mm y'all, it was a hot mess, (laughs) like the pain. Um, I definitely, I mean, I was always using that ointment, but, uh, it was just, I could actually still, I have like ghost pains (laughs) just thinking about it. Like I can feel my, my nipples like throbbing. Um, but yeah, so we, we hooked up with a lactation consultant and it was very, very helpful. And I think within, I think by the time she was maybe less than a month or just about a month, I had really gotten into a good groove with breastfeeding, um, So that was my first, like, I felt like an initiation into the early days of motherhood. And then from there, the sleep deprivation definitely was a huge thing. Um, I was really lucky. Like my mom came at the time I was not living in Canada. So my mom came to visit me and she would help me um, in the early days with like night shifts and stuff. Um, so I would like pump and that's the other thing too. I was also lucky in the sense that Nay would take both bottle and breast. So I could pump and have, give my mom the bottle and, you know, or give her dad the bottle and she would be able to get her feedings, um, without me being there. So that was definitely super helpful, but still, you know, like super sleep deprived, um, it was, that was definitely a struggle, the, the lack of sleep, um, and just getting used to not having any, um, I think I remember reading that women who, or people who breastfeed, um, there's some type of hormone that your body produces that actually allows you to function on lack of sleep. Not that you're you know, perky and whatever, but you're able to sort of move through sleep deprivation better than if you weren't breastfeeding, like if you didn't have that hormone kind of, um, I guess, activated. So um, yeah, because sometimes I look back and I'm like, how did I get through this? (laughs) Um, And The other thing, too, is that Nay had, she had really severe acid reflux, so um, she, if you try, if you put her down uh, in a certain position, like, her, she would just start choking, Um, and I remember before we knew that's what she had, like, sometimes I would just put her down for a little bit, and she would just start crying and crying, and it's just like, what's going on? You were fed, you were burped, like, what's happening? And one day she was actually with my mom and, uh, on one of the shifts, my mom had her and my mom came like running into the room. Like Nalen's face was like almost turning blue because she was choking. And it was one of the scariest moments of my life. Um, because you just don't know what's happening. Uh, so we had to actually take like, you know, like the snot, the snot suckers, not the whatever, the ones that you, where you pull with your and it's the the OG ones that the doc the hospital gives you. I took one of those, like just like the turkey baster looking ones, and we had to kind of like kind of remove the saliva from her mouth so that she could breathe better. And luckily that worked. And from there on, guys, and slept on me like she slept on my chest. I just. I couldn't do it like we went to the doctor and he was like oh you can put like a wedge in the crib or in her whatever bassinet and it kind of will prop her up and they give you all these suggestions but something in me just didn't feel comfortable doing any of it so nayland slept on my chest which whatever views you have about co-sleeping it's they're yours to have that's fine but we co-slept like that for a couple of months <laughs> like um, she really didn't get over her reflux until she was close to like eight months um, she did I did start putting her down in her like pack and play so she had a crib in her room but because of the whole acid reflux thing I had her sleeping on my chest and then eventually when she kind of got old enough where she could sort of sit up and move around more Um, I just put her in the pack and play beside my bed because that felt safe to me. Um, And that's another thing is don't let people tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing with your child. If you have a deep instinct or a deep feeling within you that you want to um, handle your baby in a certain way because you feel it's the safest way or the best way for them do that. Um, That's something, one of the biggest lessons I learned early on in my journey of motherhood was to always trust my own instincts. Um, And a lot of my instincts, to be honest, went against what like other moms were doing at the time, or would probably even do now. But I essentially kind of adopted an attachment style parenting thing (laughs) um, without really even knowing that's what I was doing until like I kind of read up on it later. But mostly just because I was so scared and so anxious about the whole her choking to death, you know. Um, And so that just felt the most right thing for me to do. Um, And so that's what I did. Uh, so yeah, she, (laughs) Nalyn slept on my chest, my, uh, like on, on my top of me (laughs) essentially for a couple of months, like, um, and then eventually she moved to like the pack and play beside our bed and it wasn't until, and she hated the crib. That's the next thing. Um, she didn't like being put in the crib. I remember trying to put her down for naps and stuff, um, especially as she got more into infancy stage, like six, seven months, and she just would not stay down. Uh, I really struggled with getting Naylin to nap, um, which just heightened my exhaustion. And um, she would really only nap if she was lying on top of me, which probably, obviously, having had her sleep on top of me for the first few months didn't help that, but Yeah, um, that was sort of the price I guess I had to pay, um, (laughs) was that she kind of just became someone who couldn't nap, you know, outside of using me as her mattress or whatever. So, yeah, those were some of the tough things that I recall, um, having to, like, having to manage, um, in the first few months of her life, um, and the other thing, too, I'll say is that Naylan and I spent a lot of time alone. Um Her dad was, had started a new job and was working a lot of hours. And I was pretty much the one with Naylin majority of the time. And it's, it's basically been like that since she was born. Um And those first, like, Those first, I would say, two years were definitely, I mean, PTSD. (laughs) Like, it was just all the things. It was a joy, but it was also one of the most difficult periods of my life because I didn't really have a lot of help. My mom, if she was visiting, would definitely be there to help me, but she wasn't there indefinitely. She would stay for a couple weeks a month or two and then leave so and then it was me and Nalen again so it was hard um i didn't have a lot of um outside supports and i have the deepest respect for people who are raising children on their own on their own like <laughs> really you know single parenthood um and, yeah, because it was not easy um as nailing got a little bit older, um, I think after she turned one one and a half, um I had sort of started to be a little bit more open to connecting with other mothers um which i'm just I'm not an extroverted personality type um I'm very kind of, I don't know how to say it. It's like, it's not that I have an issue connecting with people. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm not the type to really put myself out there. Um, and so I'm I'm very much, like, internal. I'll just sort of, like, manage and do stuff on my own. Um, it takes very special people to pull me out of my shell, like certain personalities are really good at sort of getting me to do things. Um, And it, I honestly appreciate some of the extroverted people and that have come into my life because they have basically been able to sort of like pull, get me to interact in a way that's actually healthy, you know, like I can appreciate the fact that like my nature is to sort of be inward and to sort of not socialize and that's fine, but there are times when it's really just good to do that. It's healthy to do that. Um, I'll never really be the type to have like a huge like mom group or anything like that. That's not never going to be me. But I enjoy being able to connect with like one or two people who I really just get along with for the most part and feel like I can trust. And um, I was able to do that with um, my neighbor at the time. And she kind of like connected me to some of the other moms, but I mostly just gravitated to her. Um, and so that was really nice um, because she so her daughter was a year older than Nay at the time, and so, you know, like, she kind of pulled me out of my shell a little bit and um, would force me to, like, not force me, but, you know, she was just really good at kind of, like, pushing me out to do stuff with her and to get out there and sort of, like, meet people, and so I think that definitely helped with me feeling so isolated and overwhelmed and not feeling like I had support um, during that time. Um, But having said that, um, don't feel badly if you're not like a mom group type of person because I am not and to this day I am not. Like I don't have a mom group connection. People who I'm already friends with who happen to have kids uh, around the same time I did or are kind of the people who I just still connect with. Um, uh, I didn't Like I didn't, I joined some like Facebook support mom groups or whatever, but like rarely engaged. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a personality thing. Um, I think, you know, from the day I found out I was pregnant, um, to now I've always sort of just been very resolute in doing what works for me and, um, Sometimes I kind of feel like mom groups and other moms do a lot of like, oh well, why aren't you doing this with your kid? Or oh, they should be doing this. And it's like I didn't ask you, you know. Like I, I honestly, for the most part, I think don't really ever tell other. Mo- Actually, I never do unless you ask me. Um, I rarely tell people, or if ever, I mean. Recall telling anybody what they should or shouldn't be doing with their kids because um, I don't like it done to me. Um, I'm again, like I said, I always sort of approach motherhood from a very intuitive, like, mindset of like what feels right, what I think is right based on Nalen's personality or what her needs appear to be. Um, I usually just turn to my mom if I really feel like I'm lost on something or want a second opinion. My mom will share her opinion anyway, (laughs) even if I don't ask for it, but that's another story. But she's really the only person who kind of I allow to sort of, um, you know, share things or whatever. She gets a pass. (laughs) But um, other than that, I don't really care to do the whole, like... I just... I don't know. I just felt like sometimes in mom groups, there's just a lot of judgment. Let's put it that way. Um, And so I kind of just shy away from engaging too much with a lot of people in that way. Um, I remember when I, and that's like, whatever, everybody's human. It's not to say I'm not going to be friends with somebody who's like passed a judgment because whatever, people are human. I, I try for the most part to be forgiving of those things because I'm, I've am i done it and whatever. But having said that, I try to be as self-aware as possible and not project onto others, um, especially mothers, because we're super sensitive. Like we already put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it's worse when we're piling on to that um, with each other by just making judgments or kind of suggesting things in a way that's like, well, why aren't you doing this? And it's like, girl, no. (laughs) So yeah, I'm just very protective of, I guess, my, the way that I mother. I'll say that. Um, Like, I remember one time, I've had a couple of moms. I remember, you know, I fed Naylin when she was little, like moms do. But it's like this, our generation, and when I say ours, I mean like the millennial generation. I mean, I love us, but we can do a lot, I feel, when it comes to parenting. And I don't know where that comes from. Like, I love that we are the more aware generation. We're very self-aware. We're very more, much more in tune with like the... uh emotional needs of our kids and even of ourselves like all that stuff I lovely I love it it's wonderful but there's also just this other side that I don't know where it comes from but I just feel like on the one hand we're sort of more protective but on the other hand we're trying to like force kids to or babies not even kids we're trying to force babies to be As independent as possible as soon as possible and it's like I get that if we were to live on a farm and like your kids are a part of like a resource that you need to help run stuff but like in this kind of society it's like why not just enjoy the baby for being a baby and I get that like a part of it is because the demands of work and like keeping up a household and all this other stuff is also there so it's like nobody has time to, I guess, coddle as much. But there is a part of me that was just like, I I loved being able to feed Nealon. And I did it for a good while. Like, I didn't really, like, do the whole self-feed thing for a good while. Like, I think she was well into a, like, yeah, I think she was, like, good, at, well into a year before I even started having her feed herself or start practicing or whatever and again I don't necessarily judge other people who do that but it's just sort of like there was a lot of judgment thrown my way of like why isn't she like why don't you just start getting her to eat on her own like who wants to do all (laughs) and it's just like okay well I like to do it and she's literally going to be feeding herself for the majority of her life you know what I mean so what's the rush You know, it's like, I'm okay with treating my baby like an actual baby instead of like (laughs) speeding up the process. Like I get why maybe others might feel the need to do it, but I don't. And that's my choice. You know what I mean? And so there were sometimes judgments like that. Um, Also, I don't like mess. Like, I'll just be honest. I do not like mess. The whole baby throwing all (laughs) this, I was going to swear, all the stuff on the floor, And um, having to clean it up after, it just gave me more anxiety than I cared to experience, you know, like, some people's threshold for that stuff is more, is, is, (laughs) I guess, they have a wider threshold than others. And I just don't really have a particular threshold for mess in that way, that kind of mess. Um, And so it would just give me more anxiety and make me feel more irritated And it was just sort of like, I just rather not, you know, like, um, and guess what? Nailin is six now and she knows how to eat. (laughs) Like she knows how to feed herself. Um, her motor skills are just fine. So it was okay. And even with the sleeping thing too, um, like the judgment of like, that girl still sleeps with you. And I used to hold Nailin, like I said, um, the attachment style parenting thing that I accidentally fell into, was real, like even aside from sleeping, like I held Neelan a lot um she was always held because she didn't like being put down, and every time I put her down and and kind of tried to let her cry it out, I just didn't like it. it did not feel right, and so I just stopped doing it, and other people, oh, you're holding her too much, and she's gonna be spoiled. there's no spoiling a baby, they're a baby um and guess what? Nailin is six now and she's very independent. <laughs> like, um, she. Naylan's an only child, so there is a level. And Naylan has always been very demanding in terms of my attention. But she's become. She's had to also learn how to be independent and play on her own. And she's really gotten really good at those things. So, honestly, it's like. My thing is, if there's something you take from all this rambling, is do what feels right for you. Um and I've I've always said that. Um Nailin was also a really picky eater, like she still is, but she's gotten a lot better. But there's still certain things that I really struggle for her to eat, um and to try. And she's from uh from the time like she started eating solids, it's been it's been a battle to to get this girl to like try new things like vegetables have always been a struggle I remember at one point the only thing she would want to eat is like macaroni and cheese and I had I gave her macaroni and cheese because it's all she would eat um I and there were definitely moments where I felt guilty like oh my god my kid's not getting enough nutrients like how is she she's just eating like mac and cheese all the t- all this stuff um and oh and she loved oatmeal she still well she doesn't love it as much anymore but like oatmeal i could give that girl oatmeal <laughs> for breakfast lunch and dinner and she would be so happy that was like one of her favorites but she just was super picky she still is pretty picky um gotten better but still a struggle and um yeah like Feeling judged for, oh, she needs more vegetables. Yeah, I know she needs more vegetables. Sherlock, like, don't you think that I'm trying? You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I want my kid to eat. Like, I want her to eat something. So this is the something she's eating right now. We're going to have to roll with it. But eventually, like I said, she's gotten better. She'll eat her salad now. (laughs) She'll eat some cucumber. I still struggle with, like, the broccoli and the other other greens, but... She'll eat carrots if they're like in soup and she's definitely gotten better. So again, all those judgments are for naught because I honestly do think that, and I remember one really rand- nice mom, she was actually at a, she was a cashier um, in a store and I was checking out and I, I don't know how we got on the topic and I was just saying, oh, like my, my, my girl is like a super picky eater and she's like oh don't worry about it. I had one who was like that too and eventually they they'll eat more they'll eat they'll try new things and you know it was true like Naland started to try more things and she's so much better now um so again like the pressures that or the judgments that we feel are a lot of times just as I, I like to talk about projection a lot because, it it really is and we do so much of it and we we judge so much you know and me included but again it's just that self-awareness around like listen you know how difficult motherhood already is why add to it by making an, another mom feel badly about something she's trying with you know um so yeah um those are some of the things i dealt with in the early days of motherhood. Um, and yeah, like I think going back to a little bit about like the, the self-imposed pressures, I think a lot of it is self-imposed sometimes. I think, yes, we, we look at social media and we see how like, all these moms have curated these perfect, like, moments with their kids. But I kind of feel like that's everything, right? Like, everything on social media is curated, even outside of motherhood. So I think for me, it's really just, I look at it and don't, I I, I kind of, when I see it from that perspective, I don't really internalize it much. Um, I think... um, I sort of, again, as someone who's introverted, and as I share, there are certain things that I I didn't mind doing. Th- there are certain things I didn't mind doing and certain things I am more like, that's not me. Um, and I think for me, it's sort of fi- finding the balance. Um, so, you know, like I'm not the mom who's going to have my child at like an amusement park, or this or that, every single weekend. We're not going to have plans every single weekend. Because me personally, I hate plans. Like I want to decompress. Um, I like to have to think of something else to do to entertain my child all the time is so exhausting. And I know that there are parents out there who actually prefer to have plans with their kids because they find it takes stress away. It's like If I know we can get out and do this, then it's, like, one less thing I have to think about. Or, like, if I have them in the house, they'll drive me more crazy. So, like, I get that flip side of it. But for me, it makes me feel more anxious and more stressed to have to constantly plan things and to have to constantly feel like I have to entertain my kid. Like, (laughs) this is the part where I kind of feel like I I appreciate the boomer approach, (laughs) As much as we like to shade the boomers the baby boomers there is an aspect of their parenting or like how they experienced parenting that I almost wish that I had more of um, as a millennial parent or quite frankly that I I actually take from them and put put a little bit of of the boomer approach into my own (laughs) parenting as a millennial because I appreciated that They didn't ever seem like they felt pressured to have to do things with their kids all the time. It's just sort of like they would do, like my, I mean, my mom was the one who would do stuff with us the most and, but it was never like every single weekend. You know what I mean? It was sort of like, oh, okay, let's go to this place and and it would be sporadically, you know what I mean? But nowadays, I just feel like there's this, like, oh, if you're not doing something with your kid every moment, you're you're a terrible parent, you know what I mean? And, well, let me be a terrible parent, because that's just not happening. Um, <laughs> so... On, on the other side to it, you know, like I don't, if I, if I were really to be the introvert that I am, we would never do anything (laughs) because I'd be like, okay, just go play. You know what I mean? So for me, I really have to like strike a balance of like, okay, girl, you got to do things with this child, (laughs) but I don't need to go to the extreme of we have to plan something every friggin' weekend (laughs) for the year and have like a whole plan in place. No. So I try to like, um, I try to plan things. Um, I kind of take the approach my mom did with us, which was, you know, at least once a month or at least, like, you're doing something. You know what I mean? But um, there's definitely that component that I need where I'm not having to plan. Like, there's so much of our kids' lives that we already have to manage. And even outside of your kids' life, your own life, work, the house, like, your home... Uh, All that stuff. And it's just like I don't want to have to add entertaining them to the list all the time. So um, I've had to sort of find and strike that balance and not look at social media and like seeing other parents doing stuff with their kids every weekend and feel like, oh, well, I should be doing that or I'm not doing enough or I'm not a great mom because I'm not like constantly doing stuff with my kid. Um, I really had to... And like again, thankfully, again, I I sort of feel like I've struggled a little bit less with it because I I come from a place of um, I do what works for me, Um, and so I don't internalize as much. But I guess I'm saying it more to those who feel that pressure to do that is that you don't have to. And like, I mean, consider your consider what. Feels doable to you, um, and work with that, you know. Like, yes, we want to get our kids out there, we want them to have fun, but in what world can you possibly enter contain your child all the time? Like, that is so exhausting, and so, um, I reject that, <laughs> I rebuke it. I do again, I do what works best for me, and again, being the parent of an only child. Nailen spends a lot of time on her own, and during COVID, I felt a lot of guilt. I felt so much guilt, randomly, because, not randomly, but it just kind of, like, hit me like a wave at one point of, like, wow, she doesn't have anyone to play with. That is her age, and, you know, when things were shut down, things were locked down, it was just her, and and adults all the time, and so I felt badly about that. I felt like, wow, you know she doesn't have a sibling to interact with. Um, but you know what? She ended up being quite just fine. Um, I feel like it actually improved her, her capacity to be independent, like play independently. Um, and she moved back into the you know once we kind of were able to go back to in-person learning again she adjusted really well like I feel like a lot of times the we sort of place these um, disappointments or whatever on ourselves as opposed to like is Nailen really even doing that badly? You know? Um, cause she wasn't, you know, like she was in the sense that all, all these poor children, my goodness, um, you know, having to kind of like maneuver with the whole, with everything that was happening. Yes, that definitely took a toll even on the kids, but overall she was still a healthy, happy, well-adjusted, uh, only child, you know? Um, and, again, like, one of the things that did come out of it was that I did, do feel like she became a better, better at independent playing, and, like, which brings me to, <laughs> I don't like to, I don't like to play certain things with, with Nalen. I'm not gonna lie to kick it. Like, I'm not the mom who likes to play dolls. Just, please, no. I can't do it or like anything imaginary, I cannot stand it. I don't want to pretend to be a friggin' like unicorn in a cloud or whatever the heck Like you're trying to play. It's just, those are like my things that I'm like, no, (laughs) you're going to have to do it on your own, kid, I'm sorry. But like, I'm definitely the parent that will do board games. We love a board game. We love a board game at my house Um, I like to, like anything quiet, (laughs) like anything that's calm, I will do. So like we read together, even arts and crafts, as much as I'm not like a super arts and crafts, uh, arts and craftsy mom, like I will, I will extend myself and we'll do an arts and crafts type situation. We'll even like science experiments, board games, like I'll do that stuff. With Nate. Even the parts that I don't really care for, I'll do, but I draw my line. Like, the the playing of dolls and the imaginary game stuff, I can't do it. Um, so she's kind of, like, she understands, I feel like she's kind of gotten to know that about my personality, so she doesn't even really ask me anymore. <laughs> like, she'll just be like, mama, let's play a, a board game. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's do that, you know? Like, she kind of knows the things that I am willing to do with her. So we have like an understanding. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, I don't, it took me a minute to like, not feel super guilty about that stuff too. Because again, I feel like, I don't know what it is about my generation feeling the need to have to do everything with their children. Like, but I, yeah, I kind of, I was starting to feel a little bit of pressure in that way. And it's like, oh, well, I should be, I should want to do this with her because being a good parent is about doing, and it's like, no, you can still be a good parent and not want to play friggin dolls with your kid, you know? Um, it's okay. So yeah, so there's that, um, I think I might stop it there. Like, this is getting onto an hour. Jeez, motherhood is a lot, huh? Um, I think I'll do a part two. I think I'll do a part two, uh, where I talk more about the ins and outs of my experiences in motherhood, um, because I don't want to turn this into over an hour podcast, um, episode. So, Let's do that. I'm going to end it there um, and we will we'll keep chatting. I'll keep chatting and talking about motherhood and um, yeah, in part two. So that's all for now, guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.